Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. This week on Viewpoints. When you start looking at these numbers, how does anybody afford this? The stressful cost of health care in this country. Then. This is a great time, especially coming out of COVID, to just really rethink it. Why do we still spring forward and fall back each year when most people see it as a nuisance? I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. For the ones standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com/safety or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Today, more than two-thirds of all eligible Americans have received at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine, according to a recent report from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Rewind back even a few months, and this percentage was much lower as doses were still in short supply. Illinois resident Lisa Rossi was one of those who got her first shot in late March, but unfortunately, before she could receive her second vaccine, she came down with COVID-19. I didn't really realize how sick I was, but the morning of Easter on April 4th, my husband called the paramedics and I barely have any recollection of what happened. I kind of remember them walking me out of the house and putting me on a stretcher and putting me in the ambulance and taking me to the hospital. And I don't remember anything after that until I woke up in the ICU unit. Rossi was in the intensive care unit for two weeks. She slowly improved and was transferred to a standard hospital room where she stayed for another 11 days. Even today, Rossi is still struggling with the aftereffects of her battle with COVID. She only recently got off of supplemental oxygen and is still working to rebuild muscle and regain energy. And in addition to the long and hard road to recovery, Rossi, like many Americans, was left to worry about how all this treatment would be paid for. Fortunately, her medical insurance covered much of the cost of her lengthy hospitalization. In fact, she had just received her benefits through her new job only 10 days before getting sick. What they billed the insurance company was $136,000. When I see what the insurance company paid of that $136,000 is only 51000 and the rest of it got written off. In the end, Rossi had good medical insurance coverage and ended up paying $2,300 out of pocket for her hospital stay, a small sum when compared to the initial number on her bill. So, I mean, $2,300 feels like a lot, 
But when you start looking at these numbers, how does anybody afford this? Even when I was in the hospital, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how much is this going to cost? If you don't have insurance or don't have good coverage and what you need treated isn't covered, then what do you do? How do you pay several thousands of dollars in medical bills? Marshall Allen is an investigative journalist at the nonprofit media outlet ProPublica and says it's not just him worrying about the sky-high cost of health care. For the past 15 years, I've been doing deep-dive stories about the quality and cost of health care in the United States. And every year, Americans say that the cost of health care is their number one financial concern. And I've received dozens, well, hundreds of emails and phone calls over the years from patients who have been burdened by unfair medical bills and high health care costs. And the system is not designed in a way to actually help them or empower them or even solve their problems. Allen is the author of the book, Never Pay the First Bill and Other Ways to Fight the Health Care System and Win. He says each year, health care premiums and out-of-pocket prices continue to rise with no end in sight. You can pay between two to ten times more than you should be paying for, say, a knee replacement or an MRI or a CT scan, just depending on where you go for that particular service. So you might pay one price if you're a Medicare patient. Let's say you're going to pay $500 for an MRI. They might charge a working American on a commercial health insurance plan $5,000 for the exact same thing. There's no rhyme or reason to this. It's a lot of profiteering in the industry. It's a lot of deals that get made behind closed doors. It's a lot of markups by all these middlemen who insert themselves between the doctors and the patients. And so these costs are not actually justified. But if people need immediate treatment, what other option is there but to receive the care? Is it fair for Americans to have to worry about the price tag while fighting to survive? Alan says there are several things you can do to help lower what you owe. The first is to look up the cost per service that the hospital is charging. This can include variable prices for drugs, x-rays, surgeries, and a number of other items. Maybe one of the most effective things that has come into play recently is the hospital price transparency rule that went into effect at the beginning of this year. So now every hospital in America is required to post on its website all the prices for all the different services they provide. They're required to post the cash price for each service and the negotiated rate they have with every single insurance plan that they pay. And so now you can go, like let's say you're getting an MRI at a hospital. You can see what the cash price is, what the Medicare price is, and what your insurance plan paid, whether it's United or Blue Cross or Aetna. It's now required by hospitals to post that information. And what it's revealing is completely astonishing and unjustified. What you're seeing is that someone covered by one health insurance plan might be paying three times more than someone covered by another plan or five times more than someone who would be covered by Medicare. You're even seeing cases where the insurance negotiated rates are much, much higher than the cash rates that people would pay if they didn't have insurance. Allen notes that this new federal law gets rid of the secrecy surrounding medical pricing, which can often be an extremely frustrating process to navigate. 
This comparison sheet shows the sliding charge scale per treatment. And with this knowledge, people can push back on their inflated hospital bills. Hospitals have been the worst violators of this. And they even admit it. You know, if you ask a, a hospital administrator, why is it that I, as a working American, have to pay two to ten times more with my insurance plan than, say, a Medicare patient would pay? Because Medicare always has the best prices because they're negotiated by the federal government. They're actually set by the federal government. And so working Americans are paying two to ten times more than Medicare patients. To me, that's just nothing more than discrimination against working Americans. I mean, there's no reason that I should pay more for a knee replacement than my mom pays for a knee replacement when it's the same knee replacement, same component, same doctor, same operating room time. In fact, my case would probably be easier because I'm younger than my mom is, right? But she's covered by Medicare, so her price would be a lot lower. The medical system has gotten away with this by saying, well, Medicare doesn't pay us enough, and so we make everyone else pay more. First of all, I don't believe that Medicare doesn't pay them enough. There's not actually research that shows that. That's just their claim. But second, I don't really care <laughs> you know, if, if Medicare doesn't pay you enough. Why should I be the one to foot the bill for you making up costs from somewhere else? So the next time you get a medical bill, don't pay it outright. Ask for an itemized version that breaks down the cost of each charge. I'm not saying don't pay your bills, right? I mean, of course... If the bill is fair and accurate, you should definitely pay it. But I am saying never pay the first bill until you have gotten an itemized medical bill that includes the billing codes so you can look up and make sure that those prices that you were charged are fair. I want to refer people to another source called fairhealthconsumer.org. This is another website that gives you the average price that insurance companies in your community are paying for different medical services. So if you have a description and a billing code of what you need, let's say you're going to go get a procedure and you want to try and get a price estimate up front of what's a fair price, you can get that billing code from your doctor's billing department and you can look it up on fairhealthconsumer.org and you can kind of see the average that insurance companies are paying in your community. And at least then you can get a ballpark of whether you are going to be overcharged or not or how this might work out for your health plan. And then also, if it's after the fact, you can check the bill and make sure that it's fair. At the end of the day, this shouldn't be the way business is done. Fighting for fair prices shouldn't fall on the shoulders of the patient. But unfortunately, this is the reality of the current American health care system. Allen argues that the hierarchy of players in the medical sector has overburdened the industry and led to price gouging. What you see is that the big players in the system, the hospitals, the insurance companies, the pharmaceutical giants, they're actually working together to extract as much money as they can from working Americans as possible. So our paychecks, our health care premiums, our out-of-pocket costs are going up and up and up. We're losing more and more money every year. And as I've investigated this, I've found that a lot of these high costs are not actually justified. There's a tremendous amount of wasteful healthcare spending. They estimate that maybe as much as 25% of all healthcare spending is wasted. We have been waiting for our elected officials and regulators to come to our rescue now for decades, and they haven't done it. One of the reasons might be that the healthcare industry funds 
our elected officials to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars a year to put them in office. And so their loyalty may be more to the industry. Uh, the loyalty of our elected officials may be more to the industry than it is to the public. I think that's definitely a factor. Many experts, including Allen, have deemed the American healthcare sector to be broken. A confusing system and ever-rising prices are a constant source of worry for millions of Americans seeking care or thinking about getting help. However, there are resources out there to help those in need. Look at the charges on the bill, get an itemized version, and call the hospital's financial assistance department to negotiate your rates. Allen says in some cases the bill can be slashed in half or even reduced completely based on a person's income bracket. To find out more about this topic, our guests Marshall Allen and Lisa Rossi, as well as get more info about patient resources, visit viewpointsradio.org. Also check out Allen's new book, Never Pay the First Bill and Other Ways to Fight the Healthcare System and Win, available online and in bookstores. For more behind the scenes, search Viewpoints Radio on Twitter and Facebook. This segment was written and produced by Amira Zaveri. I'm Gary Price. Coming up, how do you feel about daylight saving time when Viewpoints returns? Oregon's Tillamook County Creamery Association produces dairy products you know and love. In fact, the farmer-owned co-op makes award-winning cheese and is now the fastest-growing family-sized ice cream brand in the country. Its commitment to stewardship informs every decision the co-op makes, and it's getting noticed. The company was recognized by Fast Company as a World Changing Ideas Award Honorable Mention recipient. And in 2020, Tillamook achieved status as a certified B Corporation. There are plenty more good stewardship examples in their newly released Good is Something We Make Together stewardship report. Here's Paul Snyder, Executive Vice President of Stewardship at Tillamook County Creamery Association. When COVID hit, our farmer owners stepped up with a $4 million relief fund to help support employees, nonprofits, and local businesses in the communities where we operate. And we donated 10% of September profits to the Alpha Farmer Initiative to protect at-risk farmland and provide grants to up-and-coming farmers all over the country. We've also reduced water use, made advances in cow care, and joined the global fight against food waste. The Tillamook County Creamery Association is owned by around 80 Oregon farming families and has been around for 112 years. Find out how they're a force for good in the world at tillamook.com stewardship. I worry about lots of things. My finances, my grandkids. If you're 65 or older, you have enough things to worry about. Pneumococcal pneumonia shouldn't be one of them. Even healthy adults 65 and older are at increased risk for this potentially serious bacterial lung disease that can disrupt your life for weeks. Help protect yourself with the Prevnar 13 pneumococcal 13-valent conjugate vaccine, diphtheria CRM197 protein. Prevnar 13 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 13 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 13 does not protect against all strains of the disease. Don't get Prevnar 13 if you have had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with a weakened immune system may have a lower response to the vaccine. The most commonly reported side effect was pain at the injection site. For additional common side effects and full prescribing information, please call 1-866-694-9300 or visit Prevnar13.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about Prevnar 13.
Each spring, most Americans follow the shift into daylight saving time and move their clocks forward by an hour to get an extra hour of sunlight. Then in the autumn, this practice ends, and once again, people turn their clocks back, gaining an hour as they fall back into standard time. It's an odd bi-yearly routine that billions of people observe. But in recent history, its practicality has been called into question. Already, two states in the U.S., Hawaii and Arizona, have abandoned the custom. Across the globe, less than 40% of countries employ the practice. I think I'm joined by many people who want to stop the going back and forth because it can be really disruptive to people. It has health implications. It's just inconvenient. That's Dr. Beth Mallow, a professor of neurology and pediatrics at Vanderbilt University Medical Center and the director of the Vanderbilt Sleep Division. She says that the customary routine of springing forward and falling back is completely unnecessary and can lead to lasting health problems. So why do we still do it? To understand this question, we have to dig into how the tradition first took root. Some Americans have heard the narrative that daylight saving time began so farmers could have an extra hour on the fields. But this is actually false. The observance was put into practice during World War I as a way to extend the daylight for troops and save precious coal-powered energy. But today, this wartime mindset is impractical and dated. Yet Mallow says some proponents argue that the extra hour of sunlight is simply a nice perk during the spring and summer months. However, this bonus can quickly turn into a nuisance depending on where you live. She points out that the amount of light varies if you're on the western edge of a time zone compared to the eastern side. If you think about it, that's where you're going to get the most light later in the day and the least light earlier in the day if you're on those edges. So if you're on the western edge of the time zone, let's say you're in Michigan and you're on eastern time, you're going to have a harder time with the light than if you're in Chicago in central time zone. Like I used to live in Michigan and it could be light in the summer into like 9.30 at night. Sometimes even 10 at night, there'd be a little bit of light in the sky. So that can really wreak havoc when you're trying to fall asleep. And people have actually shown, people have done studies showing that you get less sleep if you're on those edges. And getting less deep sleep each night is a big problem. Getting enough sleep is important for immune systems. Getting enough sleep is important for our mood. There's so many different contributors that sleep plays in terms of health. So even cutting back on our sleep by half an hour can be very detrimental. The other place we see this is with our teenagers, because if they're having to get up for school really early, like six in the morning to get to school by 7.30, let's say, they're gonna really struggle if they can't get to bed at a good hour because the light is too bright. Mallow says that this increase in light confuses our body and disrupts our internal clock, or as scientists refer to it, our circadian rhythm. There's a pretty strong evidence base now that we need morning light And to feel good, to wake up, it helps us synchronize our biological rhythm, so to speak. It, believe it or not, bright light in the morning helps us go to bed earlier at night when we should go to bed because 
it just synchronizes our whole sleep-wake cycle. Now, when we have light too late in the day, let's say eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, it can cause us to not be able to go to sleep because the bright light can be really stimulating, similar to our cell phones, for example, right? We talk about the blue light from our phones. Well, this is actually even stronger. It's blue light from the sun. It's important to note that this disruption of our internal clocks is magnified in the days and weeks after we spring forward into daylight saving time. For years, scientists have reported that there's an increase in the number of heart attacks, car crashes, and other ailments during this period. But Mallow says it's not only adults who are affected. I take care of a lot of kids with developmental disabilities, including autism. And the parents will tell me that the kids just don't sleep normally after the time zone change. And it's not just for a week. It can be for several weeks. It's like their systems are just been thrown off kilter. And when they're not sleeping well, they can have meltdowns, they can be more irritable, they can have more aggressive behavior. So their brains are already vulnerable from their autism. And then you add the sleep problem on top of it and you make everything worse. With all that we know about the adverse effects of springing forward each year, Mallow says that part of the reason much of America still abides by it is because people are creatures of habit. It is a challenge for people. I mean, I think that one of the advantages of going back and forth is you do get some extra light out of it at certain parts of the year. But I do feel that on balance, it is taking a toll on our health. But I think people who have to be somewhere, you know, essential workers, I mentioned the kids who have to be at school at a certain time, I mean, I really feel like for their benefit, we have to be thinking about the advantages of bright light in the morning and less light at night for those underserved, vulnerable populations. As so many societal norms, from work to lifestyle, are changing post-COVID, Mallow says that this is a perfect time to rethink if we should continue springing forward and falling back each year. Is the extra sunlight in the evening worth the added risk to our health and well-being? Or is permanent standard time the way forward? To find out more about this topic and our guest, Dr. Beth Mallow, visit viewpointsradio.org. For more behind the scenes, search Viewpoints Radio on Twitter and Facebook. This segment was written and produced by Amira Zaveri. Studio production by Jason Dickey. I'm Marty Peterson. Viewpoints returns in just a moment. Cardiovascular, or CV, disease is the number one killer of adults in the U.S., and millions of people trying to reduce their risk of a heart attack or stroke may unknowingly be taking medications that are not proven, nor FDA-approved to reduce cardiovascular risk. Let's hear from cardiologist Dr. John Osborne. Many people are unaware that after a failed outcome study, the FDA revoked the approval of phenofibrates when added to statins, as the risk outweighed the benefits to heart health. It's important to remember that statins, along with diet and exercise, can lower cardiovascular risk by about 25 to 35 percent. But persistent cardiovascular risk, which can lead to a life-threatening event, may remain. I would tell anyone still being prescribed phenofibrates, such as Tricor and Trilipics, with a statin, 
to talk to their doctor about FDA-approved therapies for cardiovascular risk reduction. To learn more and get clear on the facts, visit itsclearttomenow.com. Again, that's itsclearttomenow.com. Welcome to Culture Crash, where we examine what's new and old in entertainment. All right, so you know of TikTok. It was in the news last year when former President Trump was trying to ban the app in his fight with China, and it's the place where people dance to viral songs, share cooking tips, and generally try to make each other laugh. It can be easy to brush off these newer social media apps as child's play, though that was once what people did with Facebook and Twitter, so tread lightly there because TikTok is a genuinely fun, easy way to pass the time, be amazed, and send some funny videos to your friends. My wife and I have, somewhat embarrassingly, passed entire evenings sending TikToks back and forth to each other and laughing. But the app also tells us quite a bit about where entertainment and technology is. Gen Z is a generation of creators, I'm speaking in generalizations here, but that's all generations are, right? So anyway, in general, it seems Gen Z isn't quite as happy as my millennial generation or Gen X or the boomers or any other generation has been with simply consuming TV shows and music and movies. They want to participate in it. Teen superstar Olivia Rodrigo has openly discussed intentionally writing moments onto her album Sour to generate TikTok videos, and the plan worked like gangbusters. While it may be tempting to call this a cash grab or an attempt at manufacturing virality, I don't think that's quite it. Olivia Rodrigo is simply a part of Gen Z. She understands what captures their attention. Her album is full of mixing and matching sounds from the past with sounds from the present in a way that's honestly reminiscent of TikTok itself. It's a mixing bowl of all different kinds of content that somehow works together. She didn't write TikTok moments into her music in a cynical way. She did it to invite others into her album and to allow the meme slash TikTok culture to continue to grow through repetition and internet humor. It's been said for a while, but it's becoming truer every day that everyone is becoming a creator. And even if TikTok the app dies out, TikTok's general vibe probably won't go away anytime soon. I'm Evan Rook. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the Pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I need some backup. I gotta get these trucks to Tuscaloosa by Tuesday. Trevor's Trucking needs three 18-wheeler drivers with commercial licenses ASAP, or his company will stall. If we don't move the rigs before this weekend, we're gonna be in trouble. Indeed can help him hire great people fast. I need Indeed. 
Indeed you do. With Indeed Instant Match, we immediately show you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your sponsored job description. Visit indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. And that's Viewpoints for this week. Viewpoints is a production of MediaTracks Communications. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more about upcoming shows. And find a library of past programs on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and more information about our guests at viewpointsradio.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Viewpoints. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com, code SUPER24.